Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I am a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. On this episode of the podcast, we're talking about two things. What are those two things? Those two things are worth and worship. What do those two even have to do with each other? All that and more coming right up. All right. Hello, hello. It's so good to be here with you again. And I am excited for the topic at hand, for what we're about to talk about in this episode. But before we get into any of that, uh, I want to let you know that right now, as I am recording this, there are about three construction projects happening near our condo. I think there are about two or three buildings being built outside, as in near the vicinity. And then on top of that, across the street, there is a parking lot being renovated. And so what I did is I did my best to to look for a spot here in the unit and to kind of set things up so that it the mic doesn't pick much of those noises. I but but it might still pick up some of those noises. And so if you hear that, you know, you could just ignore it, put it on the background because that is the background of how I am recording right now. But uh, I, I did some measures, right? I I I moved to a different spot in the unit a bit farther away from the from the window than from where I usually sit. And I closed all the windows and I tried to set everything up properly. And so here we are. <laughs> Regardless, I am glad to be having this with you. And like I said in the intro, today we will be talking about worth and worship. I'd like to begin this by making a claim and this claim is by no means original to me. This is, of course, something that I have heard others say as well. But upon seeing more about it, upon learning more about it, and upon digging deeper into the thought of it, I've realized that it is something worth thinking about, that it is something worth pondering on. And I do think that it is true. I think it's important to, to begin here because... This claim will set the tone for the rest of this episode, for the rest of this discussion that we are having today. What is that claim? It is this. We all worship something. Let me say that again. We all worship something. Wait, Mon, haven't you heard of atheists? Haven't you heard? of agnostics? Haven't you heard of non-believers? If that's you asking right now, well, yes, I have heard of atheists. Yes, I have heard of agnostics. I do acknowledge that they exist. But I do still think that even they worship something. Might not be someone, but it could be something. It is something. Okay, so now, before you throw the first stone, I want to qualify what I'm saying. I think it's important for us to clarify we're talking about the, these kinds of claims when we're communicating with each other. It's important to, for us to clarify what we mean. Because when we're having these conversations, what we do is we use words, right? But the thing about words is that what are words? Words are ways in which we express certain, a certain reality or 
a word is a way for us to express a certain thought or idea. And the thing about words is that because we were human beings and we have different experiences and we, we, we walk about the world maybe in different ways, a lot of it are similar ways, but in different ways because we have our unique capacities and unique backgrounds, sometimes what tends to happen is that we could use the same words when we're talking to each other, but we could be referring to two completely different things. When I say something like religion, I could mean something by that word that maybe when you hear it, it it means something else to you or it has different implications. It has different connotations when when you hear a word like that. When I think of another word that comes into mind, when I think of woke, being woke, wokeness, right? That word might mean something to you that for me, it doesn't mean that. Or maybe we could have different interpretations of the same word. That is what happens because, again, words are ways to express ideas. Words are ways to express reality. But sometimes we use the same word, but we have two completely different things in our heads when we, when we, even when we say that word. And so let's qualify this, okay? We all worship something. That is the claim. But I think it's important for us to define our terms further. When we say worship, what is it that we mean? When we think of worship, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? Maybe you could think about something like reverence or something like adoration. You know, these are church words as well. That's the thing about worship too. <laughs> the word worship, it's, it's, we know the word, but we don't really use it in our everyday experiences. We don't really use it in our everyday conversations, right? Unless, of course, you're a worship leader or unless you're part of a charismatic community, uh, you're, you're a born-again Christian, ev- evangelical, Pentecostal, whatever it is, right? If you're part of a community, you're likely to use the word worship, but outside of what you do in ministry, we don't really say it. We don't really talk about it with our friends, right? We don't really talk about it at work, unless, of course, you work in a ministry. And uh, you get it, right? But, but we don't really use the word worship when we're talking about, for example, when we are in our business or we, when we are in our industry. We don't really use it. It's one of those archaic words. It's one of those words with ancient meanings, right? And uh, because it has been done and that, that word has been used for the longest time. Maybe not the exact word worship, but the act of worshiping is something that is being done has been done for a very long time. And so what do we mean when we say worship? So to qualify, to qualify, when I make that claim, when I say that we all worship something, I am using the word worship in a very particular way. This might not be the way we use the word worship in other circumstances. Sometimes that happens, right? We, we, we use words in different ways, although Words do have definite meanings depending on how it has been used in the past and depending on where the word came from and how it's being used in the present, right? And so the word worship in this sense, what I mean by that is this. Worship is worth-ship. Worship is worth-ship. Worship has everything to do with worth. Think about it. When we worship something, 
when we worship someone, you could try to think about that. Maybe you've 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 read about this or seen this in a movie or a series with with some um, older tribes that are trying to express their worship to their deities and how would they worship their deities? They had this this unique regard to the god or to the deity which they worship. Right? They regard this this creature or this being in a certain way that they don't regard everything else. It, it, they're put in some sort of a pedestal for them. In the past, there have been civilizations who worshipped their kings. Part of those are the Egyptian, the Egypt, ancient Egyptian people or the ancient Babylonian people. They did this as well. For them, their king is not just a human ruler. Their king is part deity. Their king is also someone that they worshipped. In the Egyptian context, this is the pharaoh, right? And so, to worship is to ascribe a certain worth to something or to someone. Is that all there is? Not really, okay? Because worship, even though it's about ascribing worth, it's a particular kind of ascribing worth. But before we get to that, let's talk about worth for a minute. What is worth? Worth, when we, when we talk about worth, we are also referring to value. We are referring to what things are, what things are important to us. Important to us individually and important to us as a whole, as part of a society. For example, we have money. Money is something that is of worth. We have agreed as a society, as a country, that money has a certain value, that these pieces of paper and coins, it might not be worth the same thing if you were to look at just the raw materials, what they're made of. It might not amount to what they represent, but we have agreed that these, these representations of currency has a certain value. They have worth. Because money is how we represent worth. That's why we just can't print cash, right? It doesn't work that way. We can't just print money and just give it to everyone as if that will solve the problem of poverty. It won't. Why? Because it's not about the, the cash paper in itself. It's about what it represents. It represents worth. And how do we use it in the world? We use it for exchange. Something that I find valuable, I find worthy, for example, food, I buy bread, I buy bananas, right? I buy something that, that I would eat for breakfast. I, were, I am willing to pay money, something that is of worth. I am willing to pay money so that I could receive that good. In the same way, I am willing to work to give my time for something because, because I want to receive something as well. I want to receive something that is valuable, that represents worth, which is also money. Okay, we're talking about this in a very, uh, I'm talking about this because this is a very common example. And uh, I think this is something that we could, you know, understand better. So I receive something that is worth something that I could then use for other things that I find valuable. So we have these ways of representing worth. These apply to us. Again, like I said, these apply to us individually. There are some things that I find valuable. And this applies to us as a whole. Because there are some things that, that we as a people find valuable. 
The example that I gave is about money, but it's not limited to money. One more thing we could find valuable is freedom, the ability to speak, the ability to be able to say what you what you want to say, what you mean, unless of course that that gets in the way of something like like bomb threat jokes, right? That's a very interesting thing because even though we say that we, we need to have the freedom of speech to be able to say what we want and what we mean, we also acknowledge that there are other things of value that could clash with that. And so you're not allowed to make bomb jokes. For example, when you are in, a, in an airport, you're not allowed to say bomb jokes. Why? Because the security of the people, even though you're kidding, because people don't always know if you're kidding, the security of the people is also something that is worth something. It's also something that's valuable. It's something, and so sometimes this happens. There is a clash of values. What happens when there is a clash of values? What happens is something that we call decision-making. Are you still with me? What happens when there is, when we are, when we need to make decisions? What happens is that we look at one thing that we value, we look at another thing that we value, and we choose between the two. Whatever comes up is the thing that we value more, at least most of the time, because sometimes there are other circumstances to think about. There are other concerns to think about. But even then, even then, I do think that what comes out of that oftentimes is what we value. For example, when you're choosing between two jobs, when you're choosing between the job that you have right now and a job offer that is maybe being, being given to you from another company, how do you choose between the two? You look at different things that you value that is of worth to you in your life. One thing that you could look at is your passion. Is this new job something that I would enjoy doing? Is this new job something that I would be inclined to? Something that I believe in? Something that I am willing to pursue, to persevere in? These are some of the things that we think about, right? Do I really like this? Or am I just giving up something that I already have for that? So that's one thing that we think about, it's passion. Another thing that we think about, we already mentioned this, is compensation. How much does it pay? How much does it pay? Some companies would make it more worthwhile. How? They would make it more worthwhile to you to accept their offer if they offer you a bigger pay than the one that you are receiving right now. Why? Because it is something that is valuable to us, human beings. Because we need um, we need the exchange of goods. We, we need something to exchange with, something that is of worth so that we could function as part of the society and continue on living in a healthy way, right? And so that's one more thing that you think about. A third thing that you might think about is your schedule, your time, because your time is also important. Your time is valuable to you. Your time has worth. Is this something that I am willing to give time to? If this is an eight to five job, Am I willing to work at this for eight to five? If this is a business, maybe the, the time schedule is not as rigid or is not as fixed. You also think about that because, because the thing about being a business person, an entrepreneur if, or being freelance is that you're not trapped to an eight to five job. Um, I mean, you're not trapped in terms of the time schedule, but the, 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 the difficulty that comes with that is that it seems like your job could follow you anywhere and everywhere that you go at any time, 
right? Because sometimes you could be eating, you know, 8 p.m., you're with your family or you're with your friends, but because your, your job or what you do for a living is not tied to an 8 to 5 thing, you're still thinking about it even when you're not in the office. And so that's one more thing to think about. And so we have these three things that we value that is of worth to us. We have our interest or our passion. We have the compensation, second thing. And then the third thing, we have our time. Those are just three things among many, but I think those three things are very pressing matters when we're making these kinds of decisions. How do we decide between the three? We pick based on the, we, we, try, to, we try to gauge these different factors and then we pick what matters more. Because maybe this, this first job doesn't pay as much, but you believe in the cause. You believe in what they stand for. You believe in their mission. And so you decide to accept it anyway. You have decided during that process that the value of passion is greater than the value of compensation. Sometimes, or should I say oftentimes, it's the opposite, right? We think about the compensation more. Why? Because we acknowledge that the compensation is something that is of value as well. That when we have more financial freedom, we're able to do some stuff that normally we wouldn't be able to do, or not normally, we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. That's the word. And so we weigh these, these options based on what they are worth, based on value. This is how central the idea of value to us human beings you, may, you could be religious or non-religious. You could be a believer or a non-believer. But I, I, I'll bet that this is how we, we go about our everyday lives. When we make decisions, when we choose between one thing and another, when we value one thing over another, it's, it's based on that, right? It's based on what matters more. And so we have a hierarchy of values. We have a hierarchy of values as a society, as a group. But we also have a hierarchy of values as a person, as individuals. Some things just matter more than other things. Our family matters more than work. Although that is tied together because, because if we were to look down to it, right? Why do we work? It's for our family as well. And so there's a clash of values there, or at least there's a clash of perspectives that we need to weigh in, right? So those are some of the things that we think about. What else? Um, our relationships matter more than my selfish desires, my wants or my cravings, you know? But my partner, my wife, is more important to me than my cravings. Definitely. And so, and so these are the things that this is how we function. These are the things that we, we ought to be thinking about. And so let's go back to worship, okay? Let's go back to worship. In that hierarchy of values, in that hierarchy of what is of worth, of what matters, what stands at the top? What, shall I say, is your ultimate source of value. That is what you worship. That is what you worship. That is what I mean when I say that we all worship something. Because even, even though you don't believe in God, whether you do or you don't, 
you have a hierarchy of values. Some things matter to you more than other things. The question is, what is, what is at the top of that hierarchy of values? What matters most to you? What is that which you draw your worth from and you give the most worth to? How do we measure this? It's what you care about. It's what you give time to the most. It's your, your biggest consideration when you make decisions. It's what orients you. It's what, it's what helps you navigate the world. It's, it's the lens by which you choose to see what is around you and how you choose to treat other people as well. It's dependent on that hierarchy as well because these are the things that are important to you. We all worship something. All right. So far, we've been talking about the idea of worship in a very general sense, in a very big sense. Now let's zoom in a bit and talk about the, the idea of worship in a particular sense. And I want to start by talking about the religious sense of worship. What do we mean by worship when we talk about it in the religious sense? This is something that we see across cultures, across ethnicities, across different peoples, that religion is something that is universal. It wasn't taught to us. It was just, it was something that we learned in the process. It was something that if you are a believer, you might say something that is revealed to us in the process as we have grown as human beings. How, how do we see this? Because we see this expressed in different ways by different people in different places, even though they haven't encountered each other at all. Because we have these different pantheons, right? We have these different expressions of that. We have the Egyptian gods, the Roman gods. We even have Filipino deities. We have the Babylonians. And you have these different expressions of worship, these different expressions of religion happening at different places, even though these people haven't even met each other. And so there's something very universal about religion. And that's important to point out because that's what we're talking about here, not so secular, right? About how the world we live in, it is not as secular as we often think. It, this, is, this is universal to us whether we acknowledge it or not. Now, let's talk about these different expressions, these different ways of, of expressing worship. A common way that we see across these different expressions of faith, across these different belief systems, one common thing that we see is that oftentimes when, when something is regarded, someone is regarded, someone is reverenced or worshipped, a very common way of expressing that worship is through sacrifice. So you might think about the more, the more old ways, the older ways of expressing that sacrifice when you have to sacrifice an animal or you have to sacrifice your harvest or you have to, you, have, you burn it up, right? So that the smoke rises up, up the sky. And then, that, well, that's how a lot of, a lot of uh, people have expressed that. Another way that we see this, you know, that, that classic scene where the damsel in distress is being sacrificed to the volcano for, for the security of everyone else. Or, you know, in, in King Kong, for example, you know, the, the, the previous one, Peter Jackson, I think. Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, the way they would appease King Kong at the beginning of the movie, it's a very long movie, but at the beginning of the movie is by offering the woman Right, but apparently King Kong takes a liking to the woman and doesn't eat her, <laughs> and ends up protecting her. That's a different story. And so, 
One of the universal ways that we see this expressed worship is by sacrifice. Now, granted, there are ways in which sacrifice has been expressed in bad ways. One of those ways we've already mentioned is the sacrifice of people. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to sacrifice people so that the volcano wouldn't explode or so that, so that you would have a greater harvest. It's just not right. It's just not correct. And the Bible even talks about this because there were other nations surrounding the Israelites who were sacrificing their kids, sacrificing their babies. God says that that's not right. That's not how you're supposed to do it. And so sacrifice is a, is a universal way of expressing that. And there have been bad ways that that was expressed. However, let's not throw out the good along with the bad. There is a, a value being expressed there. There is a truth being expressed there. That's why it's universal. It's that for, for the things that are important to us, for what is, what is worthwhile, what is valuable, sometimes to, to work with that which is valuable or to attain that which is valuable, what we need to do is we need to sacrifice. That is the underlying truth being expressed. They didn't have the words for it. They couldn't articulate it at the time because they were tribal and they were primitive. But there is, there is something being expressed there that is not primitive at all. That is very true even until now. And you know this because if I ask you, for example, what are the things that you sacrificed or what are the things that your parents sacrificed to bring you to where you are right now, it wouldn't be difficult for you to answer those questions. You know what it is that you gave up. You know what it is that, you, that you've sacrificed. Maybe it's effort. You've worked so hard to remain a, a, a top student. You've worked so hard to gain that promotion or to grow your business. You've worked so hard. You've given up your time for this and your time for that, your time for leisure and your time for relaxing because you wanted to achieve something that you wouldn't have otherwise. This is the idea of sacrifice being expressed in a modern day period. And this is how it's always been. That is the idea of, of agriculture, for example. Eventually, our, our ancestors learned that we, don't, we, don't, we shouldn't just have to go out and pick the grains and pick the fruits. We could plant them ourselves, do the work ourselves so that we would have something to harvest. So there's the idea of sacrifice being played out there. So that, that is one way that it is expressed. And I mentioned there are bad expressions of this sacrifice. But it's a religious truth. Sacrifice is a religious truth. And even though there are bad ways in which this, this idea has been expressed, I think this also sheds some light into the genius of Christianity, into the genius of Catholicism. Because in, in the story of Scripture, in the story of the Bible, it it doesn't demand the sacrifice of others for the sake of the self. It, it holds the idea of sacrifice at a very high regard. It's important, but it doesn't demand the sacrifice of others for the sake of the self. Rather, it invites us toward the sacrificing of the self for the good of others. The idea of sacrifice has been further defined. And this is, this is best embodied, of course, in the sacrifice of Jesus. The one who didn't have to be sacrificed. The one who didn't have to 
give himself, who had no obligation for him to go all that way just to rescue us, chose to willingly give himself up even though it would not benefit him at all because it was for the good of others. It is for our good. And we, believers, Christians, this is the same invitation being given to us. We are, we are invited to sacrifice ourselves for others, to die to ourselves in the big and the small ways, to die to our preferences, to die to our pride, to die to everything else that keeps us from loving. And so to, to bring this forward, now that we're talking about the, the specifics, let's talk about Christian worship. So we've talked about value, worth, the idea of sacrifice, how that plays in. Now we're, let's talk about Christian worship. One of the things that we believe in as Christians is that we are created. We are not just products of random circumstance. We have been created by a being who loves us, who cares for us. And the thing about this, this creation process is that it was, it was done with intent. It was done with purpose. That when we were created, we were created for a purpose. Because again, it's not just random. It's not just an accident. We are created for a purpose. And so let's, let's try to take this analogy. Try to, think about, try to think about a phone. So I have with me my Android phone. It's created by Samsung. And I would bet that it was created by Samsung for a purpose. It was created to perform specific tasks such as, you know, text and call, the most basic things that a phone is supposed to do. But now that we have smartphones, it's also allowed me to connect to data, to connect to the internet, use Facebook, Instagram, um, record stuff, and uh, take a photo, all of these things. So it, it has a purpose. It is to be used by a human being for those purposes. Now, just this week, we, we, we have a new dog, and um, he's here right now. And so try to imagine, our, our puppy, try to imagine if I were to hand my phone to our puppy, what would happen? It would be used by the puppy. Question is, would it be used in the right way? Would it be used according to its purpose, according to what it was designed for? Definitely not. It would be used as a true toy. And phones are not meant to be used as a true toy. It doesn't, it's not good for the phone and it's not good for the dog. And so it doesn't help, right? In the same way, in the same way, we have been created for a purpose. We have been created with intent. We have been created to worship God. Right, So we talked about this in the first episode about how we are image bearers, that we bear the image of God. Part of our being sent is that we represent God. Right, And so a huge part of that is for us to rely on God. A huge part of that is for us to trust God, to partner with Him. We are to worship Him. However, if we don't worship Him, what happens is that we are not able to fully fulfill what we were made for. We are not able to fully fulfill what we were designed for. And what happens is that, yes, you could still use certain things in certain ways that it wasn't designed to be made or it doesn't designed to be used, but it's just not the same. It would lead to disorder. It would lead to brokenness. 
And that is what happens. In the same way that a phone would be broken at, at, at the jaws of our puppy. Our puppy is not that big. <laughs> and uh, in the same way that, that my phone would be broken if I hand it to, to my puppy. It, it just wouldn't work if, if we are not ordered in the right way that we were designed to be. That is why when you go to the Ten Commandments, when I was younger, in, in the church that we used to go to, there were these two big stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments listed down. And I would look at them when I would stand at the door, when we would enter the church, I would look at them. And when I was younger, and I would think about, you know, what are the things that I have failed at? Or I, I would think that I was doing a pretty good job because, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen anything, or at least not anything that I think is that bad <laughs> and so and so I, I would try to gauge myself adultery i didn't even know what that meant during that time i was grade two and so not a problem for me right but one of the things one of the commandments there that that drew my attention is the first commandment the first commandment says i am the lord your god you shall have no other gods beside me at that time, I thought, well, that's easy because don't we believe that there's only one God? And so if there's only one God, then I don't have a lot of options now, do I? How could I fail if there's only one God? So I was naive. And uh, later on, upon learning more about these things, upon growing deeper in my faith, I've come to realize that, shucks, this is, this is so central in what we believe in. In, in acknowledging, in accepting that the Lord is supposed to be my God, not anything else. Especially when we talk about worship in this way, when we talk about what is of worth to us. Where do we draw our ultimate sense of worth and where do we give our greatest sense of worth? Because if it's not God, then things go wrong. If our ultimate source of worth is not God, then we are drawing from a well that is not meant to fulfill us. And that well, it could be working in the meantime. It could be working temporarily, but it will dry out eventually because it wasn't meant to fulfill you in that way. Because it wasn't meant to fill you up in the way that you were designed to be filled up. So we have these different things that we value, these different things that are, of, are, that are worth something to us. But if God is not the one who is at the top of that, then our soul becomes disordered. We lose our way. We start, we start basing our sense of identity, our sense of, of meaning on things that ultimately will not last, the things that, that ultimately does not give that to us. And we wonder why we're upset. And we wonder why we're burnt out. And we wonder why this thing that I have worked so hard, I've dedicated all my life into achieving upon getting to that thing. Why wasn't it as good as I thought it would be? Maybe because I've given it an expectation that it wasn't meant to fulfill. And when that happens, when, when our worship becomes disordered, we become a mess. It's, it's very destructive both for us, 
for the people around us, and even for that thing that which we we make the ultimate thing in our lives. Get this, okay? It's it's not just bad things that we can that we can put in the place of God, okay? That's what disordered worship is like. In the Bible, it's called idolatry. When you put something in place of God, that's idolatry. That's disordered worship. And so what happens is that 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 thing, that idol that we put in place of God, it's not always a bad thing. In fact, oftentimes it could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. The only thing worse, I believe, the only thing worse than a person who is actively doing bad is a person who is mistakenly thinking that he is doing good. And so that is what happens when we take these good things. Let's think of an example. For example, when you base your sense of worth, your sense of identity on a particular relationship. Now that could be fun. That could be fulfilling for a time. But, you know, eventually you will become disillusioned. Eventually you will learn that that, that, that your partner whom you adore so much is only human as well. That they're not as perfect as you thought they were. That there are things about them that are in need as well, just as you are in need. And that you cannot draw from them what it is ultimately that you are looking for. And that's when relationships become toxic. And that's when people say, you know, that's the part where people say, I've become bored of this relationship. I've fallen out of love. Well, they weren't really in love in the first place. (laughs) Maybe that was too harsh. Maybe they were in love. Still, if it's disordered love, it tends to ruin itself. It just doesn't work. Whereas, whereas, if we have the right priorities, if we have the right things in order, we have the right orientation, and God has put at the top, he who is supposed to be worshipped is worshipped, and everything flows from there. We draw our value from there. We draw our worth from there. We draw our decision-making from there. When we come into the relationship already full with the love of God, then we have more to give. Right worship, right praise puts things in its right place. And that is the value of worship. We all worship something. The question is, are we worshiping the right things? Are we worshiping the right being? And as a believer, as a Christian, my answer to that is, well, we should be worshiping God. Ultimately, we we should be pursuing Him. We should be knowing more of who He is and seeing how we can represent Him, how we can image Him, and seeing how we can be an outflow of the love that He is already pouring into our hearts. Because you cannot give from a point of emptiness. Are we drawing from the right source? Worship. Worth-ship. Let me say that again. (laughs) What is that which that we ultimately draw our sense of worth from and that which we give the greatest worth to? Maybe this is something that we need to think about for this week. Something that we need to reflect on. What are those things that, that I have placed such a great expectation to fulfill me when it's not made to fulfill me in that way? What are the things that, that I need to be more grateful for that I could sometimes take for granted because 
because it's just there. Because it doesn't, it doesn't make me happy in the way that I want it to make me happy. When in fact, it, it's not that thing or that person's job to do that for me. What are the ways in which we need to reorient ourselves? And I want to make this as an invitation because one of the ways that we express this as a community is through the Mass, the Holy Eucharist. In the liturgy of the Word, what we do is we read the story, our story, the Bible, that is proclaimed to us, the first and second reading, the responsorial psalm, and the Gospel. After hearing from God in the liturgy of the Word, what happens in the Mass is we receive Him, we partake of Him, through the liturgy of the Eucharist. And we become one with Him in a very real way. We receive Him. We see His sacrifice, which is, again, it is intimately tied with worship. Sacrifice is intimately tied together with worship. And by the sacrifice of Jesus, we are being given the courage. We are being given the fortitude to take the next steps forward and love others as Christ would. That as we learn to see more and more of who Christ is, we, we become better embodiments of who He is, representations of His mercy, of His love, of His forgiveness. The Mass is a reorientation. That's why we call it the source and summit of the Christian life. And so that's an invitation that I have for you. And... Let's think about this. This is for sure definitely something that we will continue to talk about in direct or indirect ways. Because this is just this is such a big concept and this is such a big idea, this idea of worth ship. And this might pop in here and there in some of our future discussions and some of our future conversations. And so thank you for being here. This is right where the episode is about to end. If this was helpful to you, if this is of worth to you, <laughs> if this is valuable to you, please do subscribe, follow me, and find me on social media as well. I will be uploading, doing my best to upload a new episode every Friday, so stay tuned, and this is gonna be good. And so, thank you very much for being here, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.